Hey, uh, I wonder, have you guys heard about Trump and Russia? Treason! 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 Ah, I'm sick of it! <laughs> oh, I got a kick out of Alex Jones. We got Trump, Russia, wiretapping, and all this other crazy nonsense to go over. Get ready and tighten your seatbelt. Because this is FritzCast. Yeah, it's FritzCast, all right. And uh, it is Monday, March 6th, 2017. How are you all doing? This is another edition of the FritzCast, of course. Can't say that name enough. Oh, man. Uh, This past weekend... Uh, it got, like, super cold again here in Delaware because Delaware, in case you didn't know, a little bipolar, a uh, little bit of extreme cold plus then 60-degree days and, and beautiful. Like, I had a bonfire and, and was cooking outdoors for a little bit, and now it's back to, like, 30 degrees. And mind you, I could just suck it up and cook outside anyway, and some would argue that when it's that cold outside, you would start a fire. But that's beside the point. It's supposed to be enjoyable. Damn it. All the live long day. We're not there yet, obviously. Maybe we'll get there soon. But as of right now, it's it's like another cold brewing day out there in uh, La La Land. Which did not win Best Oscar. We already went over that controversy. La La Land. Not the best picture. So yesterday was actually my last official day of classes. No react. Okay, let's Jeb Bush this. Last, uh, uh, yesterday was my last official day of classes. Please clap. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're too kind. You are too kind. Yes, it was my last day of classes. And and uh, I actually, this was probably the first week in any of the weeks that my finals were done and submitted well before the weekend uh, deadlines. Anywhere even close to the weekend deadlines. Uh, I finished them early in the week. Well, I finished one of them early in the week. One of them on, on the weekend I finished up. Uh, I would have to say that because otherwise my wife would slap me, rightfully so. But uh, I'm I'm so ecstatic that I'm done. I I am done. I, I this I I woke up this morning, and there was like this weight had been lifted off my shoulders, except there is a weight that it's going to be replaced with, and it's called crippling student debt that uh, lasts until I die, probably even beyond that. So that's a discussion. That we're going to roll into very soon. That's going to be a, a nice little topic on education. Except on, on that note, when I go talk about some of these subjects that we're going to dive into. Like education reform, for example. I intend to talk to a lot of different people, get sound bites, get other people's input, and put it in the show. Which is what I ultimately want to do with with a lot of different things. Kind of like how last week I had that clipping from State Senator Anthony DiCallo 
and his town hall. Uh, I've been looking up possible other events to go to and attend around Delaware. Delaware is a really hard state to keep up on on your politics anyway because you have Delaware Online, which is the news journal, which I I know I always uh, I'm trying to think about a, a, I'm trying to think of a non-Alex Jones way to react to it, but I mean when people say the news journal, I think uh, I think just like Alex Jones in this sense, I think you know shut up, just shut your mouth until you know. A thimble of information. Right. A, a broken clock is at least right twice a day. Right. So sometimes, sometimes, yes, you bring out the news journal. I'm like, ah, oh, well, there's your bias rag. But that is probably Delaware's leading news source. Then you have downstate. That's not, you know, that's not entirely true. There's other options. There's uh, there's WDEL, the radio station. Uh, there is WBOC, but that's downstate. And then uh, if you're up north like me, like you tune in to 6ABC Philly and you just go through whatever Philly is providing because then you get a tri-state look. You get what's happening in Delaware, nothing other than shootings in Wilmington. And then you also get the news in Jersey, dirty Jersey. Nobody really actually cares what's going on over there. And then Philly EPA, and really I just watch it for the sports highlights and things of that nature. Politics and everything else is is national and online, and it, it isn't it funny. Traditional TV, if it were not for sports, in my opinion, traditional TV would be dead. It would be dead on arrival because when I watch six ABC News, I don't watch it on my my cable box. I have a Roku TV, and there's an app on there that live streams your news. It live streams six ABC. From around the nation, I can tune in to any 6ABC, or it's not 6ABC everywhere, obviously, duh, but I can tune into any ABC affiliate station, like, in the entire, I can go by region, I can go Midwest region, whatever I want to do. I don't particularly want to tune in to what's going on in Omaha, because it's freaking Omaha, who cares? But the fact of the matter is, uh, traditional TV, I, I'm giving it... I keep switching this up. I've been predicting this for a while. So maybe it's a failed prediction. But eventually I get it right, and boom. Nostra frickin' Damas. I give it about five years left before it's gone. Gonzo kaput. We live in the streaming world, baby. Netflix carries a good, I'd say, 75% of television shows. You can get Hulu, which carries, like, all of them the next day. And then you have all these other crazy cats that go on the interwebs and do things in roundabout, questionable legality ways. We won't dive into the latter, because I know nothing about it anyway. So, <laughs> moving on. That's uh, We'll have to talk about TV and media and the changing world and interface. Because everything is internet now, man. Everything is internet and streaming. And I, partic- I in particular, like that. I, I prefer streaming internet. And we can get really nerdy with it because I, I, I swear to this day, cable transmission of football games and sports is not as crisp and clear as streaming it. But a different discussion... For a different day. 
So the news sources in Delaware, because we went on this long tirade, and I apologize for that. Delaware, it's hard to get your news. You really have to go digging deep and, and things of that nature. I think that they could really step their game up, and I'm starting to see an opportunity as a podcasting type of individual to dive on in and kind of exploit it, see where I can go with it. Uh, does that mean I'm going to be the voice of Delaware soon? I don't know, but let's just start calling me that. Let's just start saying I'm the voice of Delaware. But the good news is with school out of the way now, I have a lot of extended time. Like I'm getting ready to kick up my workout routines, get them back and get my butt into shape, back into gear. I got to lose about 25 pounds and then I'll be a happy man probably. Hopefully, 25 pounds is what I gotta lose. It's not, it's not a huge hurdle in my life, considering that I've gone from uh, like 300 pounds in high school down to 220 pounds, which was probably my thinnest ever. And 220 was very healthy looking for me. So let's get me back down to 220. That's the goal. I have uh I have more free time though. I have more go around time and, and it's a good thing because I can take I can do things like take more overtime if I need to. Uh but uh in the works is is to upgrade my computer system so that uh, I don't have these problems when I log on. My my computer turns into a memory hog now. So, we have Alex Jones clips, clips galore to spice up the audio, but <laughs> I'm going to spare you from another one right now. Uh, but I intend to put more audio clips into the show because I have more time to, throughout the week, actually sit down and just record them. If I take not even an hour a day and just comb through some interesting clips that should be shared... Uh, I can record them, get them ready for the show. I can actually sit down and write the show a little bit better. So it's going to be it's going to be good for me and for the show, and uh, it's going to be good for my political evolution too. Because I'm starting to, uh, in light of recent events of of what's happened in the correctional world here in Delaware, which if you listen to the show, you already know, and if you don't. That was February 1st, a hostage situation uh, ended in uh, a staff member of the Delaware Department of Corrections being murdered uh, by inmates that took over a building. Uh, and that that's making a lot of people, especially my coworkers, pay more attention to politics in the state of Delaware. Because now, now we're sitting in a situation where we're wondering, what is the state going to do? to change the situation because state runs the correctional system and clearly they don't do it as good or as efficiently as they could. That's what brought me to sitting down with state Senator Anthony Del Colo for well over an hour worth of time, which was very enlightening for me as an individual to sit down with, with a representative, a representative that I voted for. Uh, and it's probably going to fuel future endeavors for me locally to be involved in politics. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm absolutely looking forward to figuring out how the state works. And I'll take you along on the journey. That's what we do. 
That's what millennials do. We document and digitize everything, so it's going to be digitized and put on the internet. That being said, uh, this past week, we've had a couple of Trump-Russia developments, right? And we've had some very baffling, peculiar statements from President Trump in regards to... Well, we'll get to there in a minute. I want to focus on the Russia bit first, uh, because it's all focused and centered around Attorney General Jeff Sessions. That's where all the focus is right now, because Jeff Sessions, I don't know if you knew this, lied during his hearings. And the government nowadays is very big on people who lie. I guess that's why everybody that's in government right now is often under the microscope for lying. Now, I'm not trying to make a pass at Jeff Sessions lying at his hearing uh, at all. And I'm not trying to make light of it. But I am trying to say that our politicians lie so much, lie so often, that I don't know how you can run with a news story about how, how, how him lying during hearing is such a big deal anymore. Uh, honesty is a quality that needs to be sought out in a lot of different people for a lot of different things and from the top down. And, and one thing that's been happening over all of this, over all of this, is people's in crazy, insane hyper-partisanship. Hyper-partisanship. Or maybe that's just my view of, of how the parties act... Everybody asks me why I'm why I you know switched up things and registered as a libertarian this this past election cycle. And the answer was simple in my mind at that time. It was because I hear a bunch of Democrats pointing at the Republicans and saying, "Shame, shame, shame." And I see a bunch of Republicans pointing at the Democrats saying, "Shame, shame, shame." And it's like we're try it's it's like they're trying to outdo each other. I say they because I'm not affiliated with it anymore. Right in my own right. And I'm I couldn't be happier to not be associated with either of those political parties right now. Because of all the shame 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 shame. I mean literally both parties both parties are doing the Alex Jones. Treason! 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 Ah! I'm sick of it! Oh, God, I'm sorry. I get a kick out of that audio clip every time. Every time I laugh. And parts of me wonder if I should put that in the podcast, if, if that's like an element that I need to add. Just me, just more shouting and yelling and pounding and urgh! But I try to like to articulate my thoughts at least a little bit. So who knows? Maybe I'll up the ante. I don't. I don't know. But that's how I feel the parties are. And and you have no further evidence. I mean, some of it is uh, some of it is is party politics, and some of it, you know, some people do stand out against the grain on on certain things. Uh, President Trump, for example comes out and says over all this Russia dealings 
that President Obama wiretapped Trump Tower, was listening in on phone calls, has information, is leaking it, and is fighting the Trump campaign from behind the, the veil, so to speak. From outside the presidency, now he's attacking, now he's attacking Trump. So listen to, like, Mark Levin. And I don't listen to Mark Levin anymore. And this is a class example of why. But listen to Mark Levin real quick. Donald Trump here is being attacked for what he tweeted. Donald Trump is the victim. His campaign is the victim. His transition team is the victim. His surrogates are the victim. These are police state tactics. I am telling you this as a former chief of staff and attorney general. If this had been done to Barack Obama, all hell would break loose. And it should. And Barack Obama's statement is pathetic. We, uh, uh, let me just say this. Where does it go from here? They ought to release both FISA court applications where they sought the warrant. The one in the summer and the one in October. So we know exactly what they were doing. That's number one. Number two, Congress needs to see the daily presidential intelligence briefings over the past year or so. Those are the beginnings of an, a serious investigation. Number three, for the Republicans in Congress, you control the majority. If the Democrats do not want to assist, and they won't, because I'm starting to think Chuck Schumer and the others are participating in all this cover-up activity, then plow ahead without them. But this is important to the country. We cannot have a sitting presidential administration unleashing six federal agencies, intelligence and law enforcement. I don't mean the president personally sitting there and saying, you know what, Valerie, let's go get him. Obviously, the attorney general and the FBI were involved in this. This is how you get a FISA court application prepared and submitted. Do you, they think, were do you, think, uh, do you think former no. President Obama was involved in this? And if so, how much was he involved? I'm not Nostradamus here. I just think <laughs> that we ought to find out. But I, but I will tell you this. He's more involved than he says. I mean, it's his executive branch. It's his Justice Department. Mine's right. been the IRS. All of a sudden, the IRS is, is targeting American citizens. I don't know anything about it. Uh, we have reporters, including James Rose and the AP, where, where the Obama administration did more investigations of reporters than any administration in American history. They're quite capable of these things. But it doesn't matter. We want to know what took place. And there ought to be public hearings on this stuff, too. I agree with the Democrats. Let's get to the bottom of this. So join me. Join us. This is the public record. Yeah. It's the newspaper of record, the New York Times. Let's go. Mark. There's about only one bit that I can agree with Mark Levin on that, and that's let's go, let's get to the bottom of this because there's all this talk. There's all this. You can make just make a statement now. In you can just make a statement and set the world on fire. Now let me play you a clip of former director of national intelligence who visited NBC's Chuck Todd on Meet the Press. Let me start with the president's tweets uh, yesterday, um, this idea that maybe President Obama ordered an illegal wiretap of his offices. If something like that happened, would this be something you would be aware of? I would certainly hope so. Uh, I, I can say, obviously I'm not, I can't speak officially anymore, but uh, I will say that for the part of the national security apparatus that I oversaw as DNI, there was no such wiretap activity mounted against uh, the president uh, pr the president elect at the time or as a candidate or against his campaign uh, i can't speak for uh, other 
Title III mm -hmm. authorized uh, entities in the government or uh, a state or local entity? Yeah, I was just going to say, if the FBI, for instance, had a FISA court order of some sort for a surveillance, would that be information you would know or not know? Yes. You would be told I, this. I would know that. If there was a FISA court order yes. on something like this. Um, something like this, absolutely. And at this point, you can't confirm or deny whether that exists? I can deny it. There is no FISA court order? Not, not to my knowledge. Of no. anything at Trump Tower? No. Well, that's an important uh, revelation at this point. You have to take that uh, for what it's worth. You know, maybe you take it with a grain of salt. That was uh, former DNI chair James Clapper saying that he can deny anything, any legal means of a wiretap taking place uh, under the Obama administration uh, of Donald Trump whatsoever. How about, uh, how about Marco Rubio weighing in on this? that Attorney General Sessions was in contact with the Russian ambassador on at least two separate occasions during the campaign. This is the second time that somebody close to President Trump has spoken with the Russian ambassador and then not been forthcoming about it. Uh, the other person, obviously, was General Michael Flynn, the national security advisor who had to resign as a result. Why do you think senior officials in the Trump administration keep failing to be forthcoming about their communications with the Russians? Well, uh, I, don't want to, I don't know about the others that you've mentioned because I just don't know about who they met with or who they've talked to. I can tell you about Senator Sessions and I can tell you about ambassadors. That's what ambassadors do. I mean, I meet with dozens of ambassadors a year and I run into them all the time. That's what they do. I mean, they, they are out there trying to reach people and talk to them. And so it is not unusual for a member of the Senate to meet with an ambassador. Now, obviously, he, in a, the Senate committee, said he had not been in contact with anyone. That turned out to be inaccurate. Um, and, and that, I think, was what became problematic in terms of the way he answered that question in committee. I don't believe it was intentional in any way because at the end of the day, it was not the kind of thing that Jeff Sessions does, and it's not the kind of thing that would be easy to, to hide, and nor would there be any reason to. So, but, but again, I think we've gotten to the point of hysteria here. Uh, that's, ambassadors try to meet with people all the time. I mean, I literally meet with dozens of ambassadors, and, and so do most senators, especially those on committees that touch upon foreign affairs and foreign relations. But as you point out, the issue is the not being forthcoming about it, not the, not the actual meeting. Have you ever met with the Russian ambassador, uh, Sergei Kislyak? Well, I haven't, that I remember now, but I really, but again, I'm the, probably not the kind of person that they would reach out to, but I've met with other ambassadors from other countries, including countries that from time to time we may have strong issues with. Uh, it happens. I mean, that's what they're here to do and that's what they try to do. And in fact, often when a new ambassador is appointed or a new senator is elected or you get appointed to a committee, they try to reach out proactively and meet with you. We haven't had a lot of connections with the Russians, but I imagine that some of that is they probably think I'm a lost cause in terms of, of talking to on some of these issues. But, but we meet with dozens of ambassadors uh, every year. And that brings up a good topic of conversation. The Logan Act, of course, is what's being cited left and right for this. Uh, that, that's what brought uh, uh, Michael Flynn to step down because he had correspondence with Russia and Russian contacts and wasn't truthful and honest about it. And that is essentially what people are attacking Sessions over right now. It, it could almost be considered nitpicking because what type of meeting was it? Was it a serious meeting? Was it just a run-in uh, at a gala event of sorts or, or, or something of that nature? Uh, from what I've read, from what I have seen, Sessions meeting with somebody is, is rather trivial. It's just the fact that during the hearings he didn't brief this information. He didn't freely state it. He didn't 
he he wasn't truthful about it. He wasn't upfront and honest about it. If he was, it wouldn't have been any major hit, so to speak, but it's the fact that he lied about it. And that just leaves me with what are we supposed to say about uh, d- about Donald Trump cuz Donald Trump is now on a tweet fest. He tweets about how Obama wiretapped him, and you know what? That brings me to Senator Al Franken. And I didn't think I'd be playing this clip, but that brings me to Senator Al Franken and his theory on it. Senator Franken, you sit, as we said, on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Do do President Trump's claims to you have any basis in in fact? Not, no, not that I can see. I mean, as you said in your opening interview that he said this is a, he claimed this is fact. I think this is just a distraction to distract from this very, very serious um, interference by a foreign power on our democracy and and the question of whether uh, Trump world, his campaign, his business associates uh, had anything to do with, with it and colluding with them. So I think he's just distracting as he tends to like to do. And what you're referring to, the reason I'm here, is that uh, when I asked then Senator Trump, now Attorney, I mean uh, Sessions, uh, then now the Attorney General, uh, about uh, revelations that members of the campaign had met with uh, the Russians, uh, what he would do as Attorney General with that, instead of answering my question, he just said flatly he had not met with the Russians. And that turned out not to be true. So basically Democrats, and and in fact uh, a lot of Republicans, called for Sessions to recuse himself, and apparently that was enough for Time Magazine to write an article and cite Vox, V-O-X, Vox, uh, as a source talking about Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines recuse to disqualify oneself as a judge in a particular case broadly to remove oneself from from participation to avoid a conflict of interest. So Sessions has recused himself from any potential investigations for that cause. Now, still seemingly, there are plenty of highlight Democrats that, that you can think of that are standing up and saying that, yeah, we wanted Sessions to recuse himself, but you know what? That's not enough. We want him to resign completely uh, out. Democrats are trying to capitalize on the current situations to the extent and the uh, degree that any little thing that pops up now, they're going to make demands. They're going to demand one thing, and then if they get that one thing, they'll just go a step further and say they want more. I would agree with Franken that Trump bringing up the wiretapping thing is, in fact, a distraction. You're talking about a man who is a master manipulator, who knows how the media works, who knows how to implement distraction fairly easily to control the media. And yes, Donald Trump controls the media right now. If you don't believe that, it's in the palm of his hand. He knows exactly what to say or what to tweet or what to do to make the media fly off the handle and look elsewhere or look at other things.
we just played that, that I just played that clip from the uh, f- former Obama administration intelligence agent saying that there was no FISA order for wiretapping. FBI director James Comey is in the mix. James Comey, the the man that America loves to hate. They loved him when he said there should be no charges filed against Hillary Clinton. Or maybe I should subject that. Certain demographics in America loved when he came out and said there's no criminal charges to Hillary Clinton and it pissed off a large segment of people as well including the hardcore 30% Trump followers, the Trump devotees. Then, what was it, a week before the election, James Comey comes out, oh, we discovered more emails, we got to look through them, I'm giving you this notice, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm just literally giving you a heads up, we're investigating other emails. Then a couple days later, oh, hey, those emails are nothing. That made James Comey the the bane of everybody's existence except for Trump fans for a couple of days. And then when he came out and said, oh, there's nothing, then he was the bane of Trump fans and he was at the ire of, of anybody else. I truly do not envy James Comey at all. But here you go, this article from The Hill written by Rebecca Savrosky quote FBI Director James Comey reportedly asked the Justice Department this weekend to publicly reject President Trump's claims that former President Barack Obama wiretapped Trump Tower before the election senior American officials told the New York Times on Sunday that Comey has said the president's wiretapping allegations are not true and asked the Justice Department on Saturday to publicly correct the record. James Comey, you ballsy man. I guess it's half and half split. I guess there's a bunch of people out there that love the man now, and a bunch of people out there that hate the man. At least 30% hate him. Hate his guts. Right now. And if you ask me, he's just a guy doing his damn job. Now, on top of all of that, here's something you probably didn't know. You know who went on an epic quest over the past week? My man, Rand Paul. Now, he went on an epic quest for something that it's a touchy subject amongst people. It's the uh, it's the the Affordable Care Act. As you know, the Affordable Care Act is in the process of being repealed and replaced, supposedly. Supposedly, <laughs> Rand Paul had to go on an epic quest to try to find the bill that was being worked on for it, and it was uh, it was secret. It was locked up. Hidden, if you will. Nobody knows where it is. Nobody has access to it. Capitol Hill and talk to the member of the Foreign Relations Committee, Republican Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. Also, NBC News Capitol Hill correspondent Casey Hunt rejoins the conversation as well. Well, Senator, you know, in 1993, Hillary Clinton came under a lot of fire for keeping her health care task force secret. 
Republicans, the Wall Street Journal, conservative interest groups went crazy saying something that accounted for one-seventh of the America's economy shouldn't be kept under lock and key. You're saying that's exactly what the House Republican committees are doing now. Tell us about it. Well, you know, when I read that it was being kept in a secure location in a secret room and that only members of the committee could read it, hmm, I became a little suspicious and it made me want to read it even more. And uh, no, we should all read it. I have the feeling that it's going to go through some House committees. It's going to be kept secret until it gets to them. And then it's going to come to the Senate, but it's not going to go to any committees. And the question is, will it be amendable? Will we be told, hurry up and pass it, take it or leave it? I'm getting the impression it's take it or leave it. And the problem I have is the bill that I'm hearing about through the media, since I haven't been allowed to see it, is it has several components of Obamacare. It keeps the Cadillac tax, but renames it. It starts a new entitlement program, refundable tax credits, and it also keeps the individual mandate. This is interesting. Republicans complained and complained about the individual mandate. The new individual mandate will be you pay your penalty not to the government, you're going to be forced to pay a penalty to the insurance company, but it's still a mandate. It's going to be an individual mandate. Yeah, well, you know, Senator, it, it, makes, it makes perfect sense if you're trying to pass an unpopular bill to keep it hidden. And then, as you said, just shove it in front of the members' faces, give them 30, you know, 30 minutes to read it or a half a day to read it. It may make sense in terms of jamming a bill through Congress, but it's a terrible idea, obviously, when it comes to health care, when it comes to the safety and the security of these Republican members. And you and I, in, in separate chambers through the years, have seen this all the time. The bigger the bill, the more pork there is in it, the more things they want to hide, the closer they hold it, and then they give it to you, and you have to do an up or down vote. And but it puts the, members in a terrible position. But one of the interesting things is we did have consensus about a year ago on a clean repeal. So that's what I'm advocating. Let's just vote on clean repeal. And if there are big government replacement ideas, big government Republicans can then work with Democrats to pass spending proposals if they think that's what replacement is. But if they want conservatives on board, we can vote tomorrow on a clean repeal. And then if they want to do some fancy new government programs and big taxes, Cadillac tax, taxing health insurance policies, they can work with Democrats to pass those, but it should be a separate proposal. If they want conservatives, they're going to have to do a clean repeal like we did about a year ago. Casey Hunt, uh, obviously uh, very strange scenes yesterday as a Republican senator is locked out of a Republican committee hearing room on the House. Uh, what are you hearing on the Hill? Uh, yeah, it was quite the scene uh, yesterday. I have to uh, give a little credit where credit is due for that, Joe. There were even at one point uh, dogs involved running up and down the stairs. Other House Democrats got in uh, on the action. Uh, but look, I think uh, this is something where there, there are, uh, and Senator Paul was, I think, referring to uh, Republicans who are concerned about doing just a straight-up repeal bill at this point because there are a lot of people uh, who would come under 
uh, enormous stress in their states, uh, and they're worried about owning those political consequences. If they go home and they say, hey, I'm just going to repeal this, but I'm not going to offer you anything in return, uh, that's a potential real problem. And my question for you, Senator Paul, uh, is are you ready to be the person that prevents Republicans from doing anything about health care? Because it seems to me if you push forward the way you are, it's entirely possible uh, that the repeal and replace uh, could run into significant trouble uh, and that you might end up with nothing at the end of the day. No, I think there's actually a way out of this. We all agreed on complete repeal, clean repeal about a year ago. If we vote on that separate from the replacement, I have a replacement bill, so do others. Vote on several alternatives of replacement on the same day as repeal. So I'm not advocating that we do nothing. i am actually been a big advocate over the last two months of saying we should replace on the same day. That's what I talked to President Trump about and I think he advocates for also. But we do differ within the Republican and the Democrat Party on what that replacement should be. But we have consistently agreed on repeal. So my point is let's vote on complete repeal separately and then the same day let's vote on maybe a variety of proposals on replacement. All right, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, thank you so much for being with us. We greatly appreciate it. Good luck getting Thanks. into that room. I mean, how insane is it that you can't see legislation being passed? We're, we're talking about how can Trump get up there, make up conspiracy theories on the fly with little to no evidence when... Damn well, there's legislation going on right now, and Rand Paul can't even freaking read it. This is a huge, a huge problem in politics today. They work on legislation. They don't get time to read it. They can't work on it as it's being drawn up. It gets pushed out. They're given a small window to review it. It's it's everything and everything and their brothers lumped into a bill. And then they're expected to vote yay or nay. They don't even really debate the bill. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, the whole idea of having a Congress is to have representatives sitting and debating and drawing up a bill. I thought that was a pretty basic concept. The ability to debate a bill before it gets passed. Rand Paul has talked about that before. I've played the clip of him before on the Senate floor. Dissenting from a bill because they literally presented it the day or two before and expected people to read it. And it was over 100 pages or more. And they didn't have time. They weren't given time to read the bill, debate the bill. Anything of that nature. What do they do in Congress? How can you go behind locked doors and work on something as, as massive as an ACA repeal? We could sit here and criticize and talk about the ACA and the shortcomings of it all we want. However, if, if your plan is to just repeal it and have no kind of replacement, have no kind of uh, contingencies on it whatsoever, you're going to have chaos.
it doesn't matter whether I it doesn't matter whether we're sitting here and talking about government mandating things of the citizenry, whether or not we're debating government involvement in health care, whether or not health care is a, is, is, is a fundamental guaranteed human right protected by the Constitution, which it is not, by word and definition. I've yet to find the clause in there that says my health care will be taken care of by the government collectively, by the collective body of Americans. That, that's really a side argument, though. How can this get worked on behind closed doors and then people can't see it? When I say Rand Paul went on an epic quest, check out his Twitter account. It started on March 2nd, and Rand Paul tweeted, and I quote, I have been told that the House Obamacare bill is under lock and key in a secret location and not available for me or the public to view. I am heading to the secret, secure location where they are keeping the House Obamacare bill. I will demand a copy for the American people. Somebody following Rand Paul around, Ellie Yorkie, York Yokley, tweeted out, Rand Paul wasn't allowed to see House's GOP, House GOP's Obamacare bill. Brought his own copy machine just in case. And he did. He had a copy machine on wheels with him. Yokely posted the picture on Twitter. At this point, at here, Jeet tweeted, the plans for blowing up the Death Star were less closely guarded than the Republican Replace and Repeal Bill. Rand Paul was then seen outside the secret office for the secret bill. Then came a series of tweeted pictures from Rand Paul. Uh, and more tweets. Quote, the Obamacare replacement bill remains hidden from the public. What secret location will they meet in this weekend to work on it? Tweet, do you have a clue where the secret meeting on the secret Ob Obamacare replacement bill will occur? Reply with your tips. Uh, then a series of pictures. Senator Rand Paul, we are continuing our search for the Obamacare light bill. Do you know where the secret location may be? Has anyone seen the bill? Standing outside of doors that have do not enter signs posted on them. Then he printed out a piece of paper that said, show me the bill, and went to various locations, posting it up, tweeting it. No answers. No bill. Nowhere to be found. Nobody's allowed to have it. Rand Paul, you are a troll, but I love you to death. Because that was the funniest weekend on Twitter I ever spent. And that is going to do it for me for this week. Guys, uh, I could have dived into even more details. Go on YouTube, check out some podcasts. This whole thing is ridiculous. Shut up. Just shut your mouth until you know a thimble of information. Ah! 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 I'm sick of it! Ah! Yeah, Alex Jones clips. I regret nothing. Guys, like this, share this on social media. Comment, give in your two cents, and get ready because FritzCast is on the up and up, revamping, retooling, and putting in more stuff. Pay attention to the Facebook and the Twitter at FritzQS and the FritzCast. Love, peace, chicken grease, and see you next week.